Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 93 solo breakaways here's a content warning if you're new here you should know we're gonna swear and make crude jokes if you're old here you should already know better now on with the show good morning good day good evening i'm steve that's robot and, I, and i'm robot yeah 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 this yeah. is the cycling independent website i mean podcast Radio it show. It's an old-timey radio show. It is. Clip-clop, clip-clop. <laughs> we are back from travels to the far beyond. Uh, you were a little farther beyond than I was. Uh, but uh, in the last week's episode, we discussed... Oh. The uh, bicycle show that we both attended, but we didn't see one another at. Right. We pre-discussed it. And all of the things that we thought we'd see. Yeah. Were we right? I think we were pretty dead on. There were bicycles. <laughs> they had those. Saw a lot of bicycles. Um, you know, one thing that I, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. Like, uh, <clears throat> so I went to see, uh, or I went to sign a poster that I did for King Precision Cycling Components. And... Like I did a series of illustrations of how to maintain one's hubs. Um, and I hadn't seen the poster until I got there, but my friend Joe and I woke up early and, excuse me, hauled ass to Portland, got to my friend Greg and Carolyn's house, parked, grabbed our bikes rode for 45 minutes from North Portland to South Portland in the 90 degree heat. And I was so, um, I was so hot and so sweaty by the time we got there and JC Sip came out and met me and I'd like plunked me down at this table and I sat inside posters sweating profusely the full time. I, I don't really remember anything. Um, I don't really remember anything that happened, but I was, so generally like overwhelmed by everything. Uh, and then finally I kind of cooled my shit down and got, got it together. And then I began walking the show and I made it for about three or four hours before I hit the wall and had to leave. And the thing that really struck me was like, I have, I haven't seen most of these people. I hadn't really seen anybody since 2018. I guess. Mm -hmm. And then, yep. you know, and uh, probably the NAB show in Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and I saw my whole community of Northern California people. And, and this, I realized was this scene that I was so entrenched in and I had such immediate access to all of these people. And then I just like got flicked and I'm still in, contact with them you know i'm still in touch with them i'm still seeing what they're doing and, and stuff but i realized just how um rapidly extracted i was from this life and i was hoping that i could catch up with some people like sean walling who works for white he was the uh, he was Soulcraft. now he works for white industries i really wanted to catch up with him in an environment that wasn't that you know what i mean sure Sure. And everybody was kind of like, I was calling it like uh, interbike autopilot. Like as soon as the lights went off on Sunday, people were like loaded the vans and gone. Right. And um, I spent Sunday evening just kind of riding around Portland by myself, sort of reflecting. It was, it, I don't know. So it was uh, unexpectedly emotionally charged. Interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I couldn't ah. even see. I couldn't even really see the stuff. Like, I was so um, keenly aware of the people that the bikes. I don't. I don't even remember what I saw. I had a similar experience. Um, I was. I mean, the <clears> bikes <throat> are always great. The bikes are always great, and I don't want to just fly right by them but i'm gonna uh it was the people that i wanted to see and since you and i were not gonna overlap i put a little bit of energy into a project where i um met your friends that i didn't know and took selfies with them and sent them to you Uh, I met Sean Walling. I didn't know Sean before, uh, but you would have received a photo of Sean and I. Yeah. Sean and me. Sean and me. Thank you. Uh, Sean's great. Uh, I caught up with Todd from Black Cat. Like I've known that guy since he was working in one bike shop in Berkeley and I was working in another one. And this is probably 97. 98 Mm -hmm. he wasn't building Mm -hmm. frames you know and to see the stuff that he's building now is really impressive um i mean he's always been a smart cat but he's like he's elevated his game to to such a degree um i saw but uh tony from tonic and i don't even remember the last time i saw him um saw curtis and Mitzi Inglis, uh, the Curtis I did see, I randomly was camping in a, just in an effort to like escape the mania of my existence while I was still in the Bay area. And I cut out to this kind of isolated campsite in outside of Downeyville. And I was just there by myself. Like I made friends with a crow and a wasp and I was I was really pretty out of sorts. And uh, then this little red convertible pulls up in the campsite next to mine. And this big gangly motherfucker with golf pants in weird sunglasses gets out. And I'm like, what, what, what are you doing here? Like, <laughs> like all, I'm the only person in this entire campsite. And Curtis happens to have reserved a campsite right next to mine. Um, so I had seen him, but everybody else, uh, I had, I had really limited or, or zero contact with up until the show. So it was, it was, it was fulfilling. It was happy. It was sad. Um, I don't know. It really, it, it caught me, it caught me off guard. Um. But yeah, really, I mean, holy shit, the bikes were incredible. The show, the presentation was was great. I don't want to uh, overlook how much effort they put into this whole presentation. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there will be an abundance of, uh, there'll be an abundance of fodder on the internet in the coming weeks showcasing all of the finery that was on display. Yes, I, I hope that they do. I had it in my head that I was going to take pictures of all the bikes, but it was dark in there and I had my fucking iPhone. And so my, my photos are all garbage, but somebody took good ones outside. Um, before we go too much further, last yeah. episode, we um, asked uh, out loud who had listened to every, all 92 episodes of Revolting. Oh yeah, and, Dirty Randy. So, Dirty Randy called. It. He he was like, I, I I have like you know. Don't forget about me. One I Zeke in Kansas City. I think he has. Like there are people who. So um, my friend Kimberly, uh, who, the Angry Mormon, she's listened to all of them. She's not even a bike person. She's like, I don't even know why I listen to this, but it's my favorite <laughs> podcast. Kimberly, uh, Jace. My buddy Jace, who moved back to California, uh, he was New England Gravel. Now he's Jace Romes. Uh, he's he's listened to all of them. Doctor Ray, Doctor Ray, the punk rock dentist. Man, well that, um, that... Chris Holzner, Full Moon Bicycles. Oh, well, there's like a. I mean, it's a select group. There are some. I just figured it was like pretty sure I have. 
I have not. I certainly have not. <laughs> I, I, mm, no, it's, it's just a matter of quality control. It's not because I, I want to. But anyway, your quality control is going great, by the way. <laughs> uh, that, that's that's encouraging. I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that there are those who do. And oh, and I think uh, my friend Drew, I think he does or has. I don't know. I'm certain I'm forgetting a couple who've gotten in touch with me and I apologize to them. But my memory just isn't that I got as many names out as I did is shocking. That's that's cool. Well, thank you. Uh, everybody, uh, that's that is encouraging, and it uh, inspires me to try to even do better. If do better, that's possible. I don't know. Uh, um, let's do the other thing. I, huh? The other thing I want to say because we're going to get to this topic. We're gonna uh, we've been talking about the show. We're going to get to this topic kind of again in a minute. But I also was in a similar emotional headspace to you when I got to Portland. I was on the plane on the way out there and i realized so my uh django we did a whole episode about my dog django who died recently and i said uh that i had been in denial about django's impending death he had cancer it was very obvious uh where it was gonna go but i just every day i was like i'm gonna get up and hug my buddy and hang out with my buddy and nothing is ever going to interrupt that problem <laughs> and then he died and it was pretty terrible mm -hmm. uh Totally blindsided by something happening directly in front of my face. So I'm on the plane to Portland last week, and I realize my first son, my oldest son, we're taking him, we're dropping him off at college the day after tomorrow. And I was like, I've been in denial all summer that he is disappearing. He's going, he's going, he like he's starting his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not done being his dad, but I'm done with the, the day to day, uh, the day to day part. And so I, I arrived in Portland, a little bit of an emotional mess and nothing about Portland and my experience there fixed that. Hmm. Well, no, well that's totally understandable. That's a huge, um, that's a that's a huge thing to wrap one's mind around. There's no amount of deep fried everything is donut pancake chicken right. chicken taco is gonna solve that. That's just gonna give you more time to contemplate while you're wiping your ass the next day. <laughs> <laughs> yep. First thing I ate in Portland was a fried catfish sandwich, uh, and I was like, I was like, oh no. And the last thing I ate was a plate of sausage. Uh, was it biscuits and sausage gravy? I was yeah. like, Portland, you motherfucker. Yeah. I, and you know, it's funny because I, I bought groceries yesterday. I guess I got back, whatever. What day is today? Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday. I got back to late, late, late Tuesday night uh, after driving in the rain for uh, 28 hours. I think it took me. No, I didn't. It sure fucking seemed <laughs> right. like it. I had yeah. a, I had a, just a, as a, an aside, uh, Jay Mack and I went to, we drove to Sacramento a bunch of years ago and picked up two blue collar frames from Robert Ives and we were driving back from Sacramento to Oakland and it was sideways rain. And we were both like squinting and like putting our faces up closer to the windshield to try to see, you know, beyond 15 feet ahead of the car. And we yeah. both decided that that is what hell is like is to drive in rain like heavy rain forever. I have never driven from Seattle to Portland or Portland to Seattle without the wipers on max. Yeah. It's, and it's what it's like three hours and it's fucking it's straight, right? There's it's not complicated driving, but it is so stressful. You're just like, I hate it. I hate it. I, I hate, hate it. So I hate much. driving anyway, but like, yeah, that just yep. drives me fucking out of my mind. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I want listeners to know also that as Steve was talking, I can see that it's boiling hot in the in the oh, um, so hot closet, in and he's mopping his forehead like a guy 
from a 1950s movie who's on the stand <laughs> and probably did the murder. Yeah, He's just <laughs> my seersucker suit is totally soggy. Like I sweat, right. I sweat through my sport coat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really. I don't know what the deal. It rained yesterday, and it is like incredibly muggy today. Um, Gross. And probably hotter in my closet than it is outside. Uh, so the drive to, uh, to 28 hours got in last night. Oh, I went to the grocery store and bought a shit ton of vegetables. Like I felt, I yeah. felt like I, was, I had to undo everything that I put in my body in Portland, which is like, yeah, of course. Like, of course I'm going to eat the biggest, dumbest, worst thing. And, but I'm going to wash it down with a thousand gallons of beer and I'll be fine. <laughs> Well, I had a I had the straight edge version of that where I ate all the same ridiculous uh, nonsense and then just pounded coffee. Um, and when you're when you're at the maid show, uh, which is in kind of a shed and it's 90 something degrees and the Porto Johns are out in the sun like a bunch of holly hobby bake at home ovens. <laughs> And you're, you're eating, I ate like, <laughs> I don't even know what I ate, like sausage, egg and sausage biscuit, but like a big one and it's spicy. And then I had three cups of coffee and then I, I was at the show and I was like, I have destroyed my life. <laughs> oh, there. I'm in a lose, lose situation right now. Yeah. It's a, that space is really cool. They used to make, um barges there it is yeah. essentially like a giant hangar like a, definitely a super fun site for sure <laughs> surrounded by multi-million dollar condos but uh the family the family i think that owns that space i was talking to my friend amanda she's put motorcycle shows on there in the past oh. um and she was she kind of gave me a little bit of the history it's it's interesting stuff <laughs> Uh, oh, and I did find out, I think I found out that the maid show signed a three year contract. So it will be oh. returning to Portland for at least as long as people. And while that it was, it was so fucking hot, like unseasonably hot those two days and then yeah. rained on Monday and it was like cool yeah. and gray for the rest of the, the, I don't know, it might still be, uh, but it was, that was, that was rough. It's hard to stay hydrated. I gave I, I made the analogy. A lot of people looked at me cross-eyed, except my friend B, who got it right away. But I was like, "This is like the um, the frog in the pot of water, right? Like if you put a pot of if you put a frog in a pot of boiling water, it'll jump right out because the water is hot. But if you put the frog in the water when the when uh, when the water is cool and just turn the heat up slowly it'll boil it won't jump out mm -hmm. and that's how i felt standing in that space i was like oh it's cool and nice here in the morning and then by the afternoon i was like i'm gonna have a cardiac event i'm mm -hmm. sweating out of my eyeballs yeah uh i i had a i had like a, a cowboy shirt on uh when i i wrote i was i mean it was fucking soaked right i yeah. rode my bike for yeah. 45 minutes got there <laughs> signing as hot as nuts in the in the hangar and people were coming up to me, like CD came up to me, and he came to give me a hug, and I was like, "You don't want any of this." Like I'm, yeah, I am, I'm a sponge right now. And he put his hand on my back, and he's like, "Why'd you jump in the river?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's a thousand degrees. Like you can't, you can't give me grief. I, I'm not, I'm, I'm fucking, I'm, I'm suffocating." I rode with my friend Fez this morning and we had a great time. And then he, when we were parting ways, he's like, Oh, give me a hug. I was like, you don't want to do that. I'm gross. He goes, no, come on. And then he hugged me and he was like, Oh fuck dude. <laughs> oh, I warned you. <laughs> I know. I mean, I told you it was gross. He was like, it really is. We're, you and I are both pretty sweaty individuals. I think we have, oh, so we have sweaty. active, active glands. Um, one thing I did want to mention, I went to, well, I went, I had a gigantic chicken sandwich at this tavern called the Barlow and, uh, I went in there to meet Christina and my friend Ian and Nikki. And, uh, I walked in and the bartender was Brian from Red Fang. And I was like, man, if this isn't a fucking the quintessential Portland experience, you know, yeah. and he, he's, he's the one, he's the guy with the longer hair. It kind of looks like, 
like oh, yeah, yeah. Cr- crazy eye. Yeah. He's like, what do you have? Like, oh, you know, whatever the thing. All right. Yeah. And then I went by there the next day and he was sitting outside smoking a cigarette. I was like, fuck yeah. Like, I love that. You know, <laughs> you see a bona fide rock star serving drinks. Yeah. At a tavern. The first time I ever went to Seattle, I was with a friend of mine whose cousin worked at Sub Pop, Kevin O'Leary. He might be listening to this. He's fucking great. Um, That's a Boston name right there, Kevin O'Leary. Oh, There's about a million Kevin O'Learys here, but go on. Dude, he's so good, and he has like he has a perfect hairline. And I don't think he's aged in the 20-plus years I've known him. He's mm-hmm. sold his soul. So... We get to Seattle and we're bumming around. We walk into, uh, I think I've told you part of the story anyway. We walk into Fallout Records and the guitarist from Seaweed is in there. And we're like, man, that's fucking cool. And then we go to pick up some film or some, I don't know, some Super 8 film or something from this one specialty warehouse place. And two of the members from the Fastbacks are working there. I was like, (laughs) fuck yeah, that's tight. And then we go visit Kevin at Sub Pop, and we walk in, and Steve Turner from Mud Honey's walking around the halls. And I was like, "Oh fuck, is this what <laughs> is this what living in Seattle's like?" And then we went to see Quicksand uh, that night, and that's when we went back to Kevin's house and walked in, and Aaron from Seaweed, the singer from Seaweed, is standing in his living room. And I was just right. like, "This is fucking, this is rock and roll, man. This is this is rock and roll." Well, this is a little bit what my Portland experience is like because I I live on this coast. Right. I don't I don't I don't rub the elbows. I don't rub my elbows up and down with uh, a lot of your people. And so I go out there and Christina walks up. I'm like, oh, Christina. And so I hug Christina. I see Donkey Lope Greg. I see um, uh, Chris McNally. Uh, I see all of these people. I'm like, this is this is weird. This is a weird experience. Like all the TV characters from all hail the black market. (laughs) Yeah, you got to meet Greg's dog Kyber. Who is oh yeah, I, I yeah Kyber didn't. Oh, Kyber didn't what? Yeah, Kyber didn't really want to fuck with me. I was like, oh, come on, man. Huh. I think Kyber was a little sketched out by the whole. Yeah, there's a there was a lot that was a lot of stimulus. Um, he uh that and he he's wired funny like he's just. He, like he, yeah. yeah, he zeroes in on me. What is it? What kind of dog is he? Border Collie. Right. And Border Collies, I think, are naturally kind of crazy. Uh, but he's like super elevated crazy. And he'll hear my voice. And he's like, like, he, he know, I think Greg thinks that he likes me because um, I feed him pieces of meat stick all the time. <laughs> so much so yep. that my, my nickname became Uncle Meat Stick. Uh-huh. And I, I I met a woman on the trail one time and she was socializing her dog and we were talking and I was like, I said, can I pet him? And she said, yeah, he's, you know, he's getting used to people. And I said, I usually have meat sticks in my bag. I mean, people call me Uncle Meat Stick. And I was like, no, I shouldn't say that to a stranger. No, you shouldn't say that to a stranger. <laughs> and I didn't even have a fucking meat stick in my bag. So I couldn't, I couldn't even help him out there. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, who did you saw Cheever, Dan Cheever? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So I said before that I took selfies with your friends and sent them to you. But actually, the modification was that all in all of the selfies, we were both. um, Giving Giving me the the bird, giving me the finger. And, you know, Donkey Lope Greg, um, I don't think he has any fingers except the middle ones. (laughs) Well, he's a low key guy. Mm -hmm. He's low key. And I think. uh, I don't know that he cracked a smile until I said, oh, but in this picture, we're going to be flipping Steve off. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, OK. Oh, man. He, he's he's a he's a real he's a real sweet man. When I showed up to the booth, so Corndog from Dank Bags and Cheever and Greg and Joe Hamilton, the guy that I drove down with, it was like this cast of kooks. And somebody points out this little clown that's leaning up against Greg's, uh, his uh, mountain bike that he had on display. It's a little clown, and he's wearing a little hairnet. And he's got he's holding another little hairnet helmet, and he's got a vest, and everybody's looking in it. I'm like, oh, that's 
that's cool. And then I look at Greg and he's got this huge grin on his face, like, like super toothy, like, right. Kind of like cat, the cat that got the canary. And then I, I'm like, Oh cool. Yeah. Well, he's got a little jumpsuit. And then I'm like looking back and Greg, <laughs> Greg's like, mm. <laughs> like buzzing. And then I noticed that the, he had hairy arms and I was like, Oh fuck, that's me. I get. <laughs> I get it now. So I, like, I don't know. Somebody found this little like clown clown doll and got him a little jumpsuit and corn dog sewed him some hairnet helmets and he's got a little battle vest. It's pretty tight. I think Greg probably brought it home for me. Oh, that's sweet. I will be yeah, putting I, him in my studio. I enjoyed meeting all those characters. I I was uh, I was quickly chatting with Sean Walling and I was like, I told Sean, I was like, now I'm going to try to find Stevel's other friends and and repeat this exercise. And he goes, oh, Cheever's around here somewhere. You know, the figure skater you have Jenny Lushenko. <laughs> <laughs> have he you looks fucking, just like that guy. Have you seen that fucking guy? Yes. It's wild. Total <laughs> doppelganger and and diametrically opposite of everything that Cheever is and stands for. I I would bet. I like the idea that maybe they're just the same person. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? It would if you found out Cheever had, had been an Olympic level figure skater. I mean, I in a way I would be not surprised. Be like, well, fuck. I mean, that tracks, especially like how the world is now, how everything is just sort of fucked up and like yeah. nothing really surprises me anymore. Yep. That would that would fall in line with that. Uh, hey, you want so let's, you want to do uh, you want to do music pick? Oh, we should do music. Picks let's get for after sure. that. All right. So <clears throat> my pick this week is the uh, Prince and the Revolution record Purple Rain. And. You know, everyone's going to be like, duh, that's a great record. But seriously, seriously, Purple Rain. I don't think anybody doesn't like that record. It's impossible to not like. I've never heard anybody say, eh, you know, kind of <laughs> hit, hit and miss. I nobody. Everybody I was, loves that record. I was revisiting it with my kid, uh, just the other day and I went right down the, the, the rabbit hole and you know, I'm watching parts of the movie and I was like, here's the thing. Prince wrote this record when he was like 24, 25. I think it came out when he was 26. So he writes the record when he's 25 years old and he also writes a movie uh, to go along with it. 25 years old. He's written a record. That's one of the great records of all time. And he's written a movie, which is a great movie. But as part of the movie, there are several other musical acts. One of them is Morris Day and the Time. So Prince is like, oh, Morris Day and the Time needs a record. So I'm going to write that. So he writes that <laughs> record. And then he's like, oh, but my love interest is Apollonia. And she's going to be in a band called Apollonia 6. I guess I better write that record, too. So. Wow. I mean, I just I just. I can't. It's so goddamn good. It's so goddamn good. And it, like, I'm whatever. I'm not a Prince super fan. Like, I didn't I don't listen. To, I haven't listened to all the records every. But this one is such a fixture of my youth. And mm. my buddy Che, who comes up on this show quite a bit, was a huge, huge uh, Prince fan. And actually, when Prince died, Che was on tour with uh, the Bob Mould band. And. Uh, that night, Bob brought Che up on stage and Che sang When You Were Mine, the Prince song, When You Were Mine, which he gave away to somebody else to do. But um, so Che sang When You Were Mine with Bob Mouldband the night after Prince died. Amazing. Amazing. It, I feel like I feel like that output, like humanity is so unilaterally mediocre that we people don't really get how fucking huge he how uh, I, can't, I, can't even, I can't even think of the word how insanely talented he was insane he, it was like uh, inhumanly otherworldly yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it was unbelievably and then there's never going to be, I can't imagine that there will ever be anybody like him again. 
Well, I already said like, oh, he wrote this record and this record and this record and a movie. And he's 25 years old. He's like, oh, I just need all this stuff to happen. And at the same time, he's like, oh, Cindy Lauper, you need a song? Yeah, I'll just uh, I'll just do a song for you. That's when you were mine. And then he's like, uh, oh, you know what? You you bangles could use a hit. I'll just write you a bangle song. That's a hit. He just was like. And so subdued. Like he wouldn't, I found out that after he died, I found out that he had paid for the solar systems for like hundreds of, uh, hundreds of poor families in Oakland. Like, and it like, didn't put his name on it. No fanfare. Like almost, I think he like made the people who were doing it sign, uh, NDAs. Like he was just like, well, Millions of dollars to help people get off the grid. Tens of millions of dollars, easily. You know, and he's just like, eh, it's just, I don't know, something to do. Another thing, more bike content, Prince loved to ride bikes. And in his later years would often be seen cruising around on a cruiser bike in Minneapolis. Mm. And he would ride up on people and they'd be like, oh my God, it's Prince. And he would look at them and go, shh, nope. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, like they were like, get their camera out. And he'd be like, uh-uh, mm, just not, not today. We're all just riding bikes out here. We're all just riding bikes today. I got to see his house when I was there a few years ago, like the house that was in Purple Rain. That was his childhood home. And it's just oh, yeah. sitting there in a lot Like nobody lives in it. There's no placards or anything. Yeah. You can walk right up and look in the window and see scuffs on the banister. And you see that little basement window that he snuck Apollonia six into or whatever. Uh, Maybe, maybe I just invented that part, but yeah, I saw that movie in the theater when it came out. Like, and it was just like, I remember the first time I heard wind doves cry, like where I was, it was, it's a, it's a remarkable record. So well done. Nice pick. Yeah. Total volcano of awesomeness. Uh, Mine is similarly, uh, (laughs) less, (gasps) uh, less influential. Uh, but the uh, Oakland, California rock and roll group Engine 88 uh, came out in 1995. Um, man, it's uh, The record's called Clean Your Room. Did you pick this record before? I probably did. Did I? Like like 71 episodes ago? Oh, Jesus, did I? Because I was listening to it a lot back then. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a motherfucker. Did I'm not I? 100% sure, but I think... You might have picked this one before, and I'm just trying to save you from, the you know, 19 people. Well, yeah. shit. Okay, that's uh, a great one. I probably did. I probably did. All right. I well, thought you about... were going to pick a certain band's new single. Oh, the, the new 68 just went on pre-sale today and should be shipping on September 29th, and yes... I'm not going to pick that until the actual album comes out. But why don't I pick the Cherubs uh, 2021 record? Slow, bo- slow blow for friends and sexy, I guess. It's all in parentheses and abbreviations and whatnot. You can pick that. I'll accept it. Because it's noisy. Uh, Cherubs oh. and, and your favorite band, Horrors, tour now. Uh, were touring moments ago. We'll they be were touring, touring together moments soon. ago. Now they're out with Venus twins in Europe. Oh, goodness. <clears throat> and I, I saw a thing, and I'm not trying to like distract from your music pick here, but I, I, there was a, th- a post from Christian from Whores saying, hey, not even kidding, does anyone want to put out our new record? Hmm. I, I, they're having some label issues, I guess. It's real easy. Uh, you, you know, you, you make, what, 5,000 copies or even... 2000 copies and then and then you sit on all of them that's what i did <laughs> right <laughs> i didn't really take into consideration i thought like when i put out the who rides the tiger record i thought oh i don't have to worry about like distributors or all of that shit that i dealt with before when i put records out because i got the internet baby yeah and and then that didn't really work yeah oh so if anybody's interested <laughs> the um <laughs> <laughs> uh, the introduction, the intro and outro music is Bandini Mountain by Who Rides the Tiger. And uh, I have those records available and digital download codes to boot. 
So you should definitely buy that. We have the best fucking theme song in all of podcasting. Every time it comes on, I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love that record. I mean, I put a fucking record out for a band that didn't even exist anymore. That's how I love how much I love that record. Yeah. yeah. But Bill's new band, Ozorn, they got a new record coming out real soon or maybe right now. So that'll be that'll be a future. That'll be a future pick. Anyway, Cherubs are great, and they had a 7-inch, maybe their first 7-inch, called Carjack Ferry, and it's one of the most driving, fucking heavy, resounding anthems. It's a fucking, it's a explosive uh, words. It's huge. It's great. It's great. I love it. It's great. Um all right, let's get on to the shit. Let's say some nice things about some people and then have a talk about some other stuff. Back with us this month is Shimano and the new GRX 12-speed mechanical groups. Rooted in simplicity, reliability, and adventure, the new 12-speed GRX lineup delivers more gearing options along with unrivaled ergonomics so riders get the most out of each unpaved adventure, wherever that might be. There are three flavors for these 12-speed groups, two one-by setups and a two-by. The emphasis is on giving riders the gearing they need to ride the gravel terrain they like best. GRX's ergonomics get an upgrade too with redesigned shift brake levers, adding 12-speed shifting without any additional lever bulk. The RX820 series shifters are designed for all-day comfort when using flared drop bars, a gravel cycling staple. By reducing pressure points and increasing surface area, your hands will feel less fatigued and you'll be more in control as you test your limits. You can learn more at gravel.shimano.com. And we're back. And we're back. Well, as we were just talking about previously, we've both been on trips this week and while we met up and even stayed with friends while we were away, the travel part was all solo, mostly. Decisions were all up to us, and the results were, as they always are, kind of mixed. Today, we're talking about solo adventuring. I didn't realize when I wrote this that you had actually driven down with a friend. Yeah. Yeah. But let me tell you where I was coming from. I was, you know, I was traveling solo, and as I said before, I was having so. I started out in this sort of emotional state, and I never kind of got back out of my head. So the... I liked being in Portland. I loved seeing all my friends, but my head was kind of a mess the whole time. And and the thing about going, I I dream about traveling solo, right? It's so uncomplicated, right? You just do what you want to do. And that's awesome. And and at the same time, sometimes you go out on your own and you have no fucking idea what to do. And you sort of wander around and second guess yourself the whole time. And you're like, I should want to do this. Why am I not doing that? And then or like you're afraid or I don't know what the what all the stuff is. But like sometimes I go out on my own and I'm like, this is completely liberating. The world is mine. I'm having a great time. And then other times I go out and I'm like. I'm lonely and frightened and confused. <laughs> hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would say 90, even when I was in a union, I would say probably shit. I'm going to, I'll 75% of my travel was solo. Yeah. Um, uh, before that I traveled Europe alone. Uh, I, did my six month odyssey across America by myself. Um, I historically, historically have traveled by myself and it just, you know what I realized? Um, what I realized at some point is, uh, like I don't tra I still now I'm, uh, turning 53 shortly and I still travel like a shitty 18 year old gutter punk. Like I don't get, I don't get hotels. I don't, you know, I don't know where I'm staying until I drop my bags, which is maybe why I spent so much 
time when I was with my wife traveling by myself because she hated traveling that way, you yeah. know? And so when we, like, we went to Bali and it was a, it was a wonderful experience and it was all planned and we had places to go and we, everything was reserved. But I mean, I, I have such a hard time even booking a fucking flight. Like my brain, I think at one point I went back to Oakland. I stayed with her and I was only supposed to be there for a few days, maybe a week. And I, before I left, I looked at my reservation and I actually booked my return a month after I got there. Like, I just, I just can't, I just can't, I'm, I don't know. I don't know why it, it's like doing fucking abstract math for me. I'm the same way. I have to go to New Zealand in January and I've had on my list of things to do book New Zealand ticket. And I go on and I find the flight and I'm like, oh, it's $3,000. Well, I'll try again tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been $3,000 for like two months now. And I somehow like I know that, but I can't commit to it. Or I look at the I look at what they're telling me I have to do. Oh, you're going to connect in in uh, San Francisco. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. It's one stop. But I'm like, whoa, I don't know about that. Uh, maybe I should be connecting. I, it's just a fucking mess. I look at it and I'm like, I can't decide. Maybe it'll be cheaper tomorrow. And I don't do it. Yeah, I do. I do definitely doubt myself a lot. And I'm like, I'm going to like, I'm, a, I'm terrified of the ferry system here. This is one thing because I used to get on the BART train in the Bay Area and I would fall asleep and wake up in Concord or Pittsburgh or some fucking place and then figure out how to try to figure out how to get home. I did that a lot in the 90s and then I did it again like six or five months ago I was so disappointed in myself waking up in Castro Valley at two o'clock in the morning like god damn it (laughs) I'm a fucking I'm a fucking adult like why can I not manage to stay awake long enough to get to my fucking destination safely oh that BART train just rocks you nice it really is it's all warm and quiet sort of um so I'm afraid that I'm going to get on a ferry, especially if I drive, like go camp on one of the islands and I drive my truck and then, and then I somehow miss the ferry. And then next thing I know, I just live on the island because I can't figure <laughs> out how to get off. I mean, not the worst outcome, but go on. <laughs> uh, so that, that's something that, that's something that crosses my mind. Um, Otherwise, yeah, I just, it's, this, it's the same thing. Like I'm, oh, here's a, here's a, here's a story. Uh, so Gene Oberpriller, who uh, runs one-on-one studio in Minneapolis, he's an old and dear friend of mine. He, he travels like I travel. Like it's just seat of the pants shit for him all the time, which is probably why we travel so well together because there's no plan. Um, uh, so Let's see which story was I going to tell. Oh, okay. I had a show of paintings at his old space and I shipped everything. This is, I don't know what, I don't know what year this was. I shipped all of my work by UPS and there were like big bike boxes full of paintings. There's a lot of work. And then at one point, maybe a, Two days before I leave, I think to myself, oh, I'm going to see, I'm going to look at the tracking number and see where these are. Cause they had to be there like, like that next day. And they were in Chicago and they <laughs> weren't going to be there until like the morning after the show was supposed to open. So I get a hold of, um, I get a hold of my UPS, uh, I don't know, rep, I guess. Yep, And I, I explained the situation and he did some fancy footwork and got some people to pull them off the train and put them on a truck. And they got there the, like the afternoon of the show. But then I looked at my ticket and I wasn't getting there until the night of the show. So I had to <laughs> then get other people to install the entire thing for me. Right. So <clears throat> then I'm getting on a, I get my flight and I have a layover in Phoenix, but it's like a 30 minute layover. And I get off my gate, I look at the gate on the ticket, the connecting flight is on the other side of the Phoenix airport, which is, if anybody's ever flown out of Phoenix, knows that the airport is about 30 miles wide. And I run, <laughs> I run all the way to the gate and I'm, there's nobody there. 
And then I look at my gate and I was like, oh no, it was actually right across the concourse from the gate that I fucking got in on. <laughs> so I run all the way back and I've got a piss. And I walk into the bathroom and I take a piss and I walk back out and I sit and I'm like standing in line and this dude walks up to me. He's like, hey, you dropped this in the bathroom. It's my fucking ticket. I'm just like, oh my God. But I realized this is how Gene always operates. This is how he always travels. He's yeah. even, I, I actually said that we travel similarly. He travels way the fuck more by the seat of his pants than, than I do. Yeah. And, and it was an interesting experience. Like, oh, this is how he lives all the time. Like in yeah. constant fucking chaos, but he thrives in it, you know? So I dipped well, my I, toes in that world and I never have to do it again. I can relate, you know, like I, it's emblematic. My wife and I go someplace and we get there and we do whatever we're going to do. We get back in the car and then I start the car and start to drive. She's like, well, where the fuck are you going? Like, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I just. We're going to she's We're like, going. what if there's what if there's traffic? What if the bridge is closed? I'm like, I don't know. I guess I don't know if I were by myself. I would just drive up and be mad that the bridge was closed <laughs> and then do the thing that you're about to do that would save us 20 minutes. I would do it then. Is, that a, lost the t- is that a gender thing? Like are women just like generally and, and like I hate generalizations, but are women just typically smarter I like, mean, yes, they're smarter, but I think I think there are uh, certainly chaotic women. And I think the reason that our relationship works is because I bring I bring other things. She brings organization uh, and I bring other things. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever they are. I don't know. Um, a pair of underpants and a toothbrush. Those are the things that you bring. I probably forgot the toothbrush, but yeah. Here's a, speaking of which, here's a story. So I have, I have I told this story about going to hang out with Chris and Chris in Oakland and when I lived in Santa Cruz? And my Let's ex said, it. huh? Let's have it. Well, she said, I said, see you, see you later. And she said, all right, bye. Did you pack another pair of pants? And I said, what? She goes, do you how many pairs of pants are you bringing and i said one like what are you what are you talking about she goes well you might pee on yours i was like what <laughs> i'm not what have i ever peed on my pants like what are you what are you fucking saying why yeah it was just like i was just flabbergasted like i'm not gonna bring another pair of pants i've never i don't piss on myself like i feel like you really like feel like it's sort of insulting really like, right. oh, you better bring another pair of pants because you always get so out of control you piss yourself, which does never, had never happened. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not. Kiss her goodbye, drive up to Oakland, and I meet with my friend Chris Pugh at Chris Duncan's house. And oh, so yeah, we're sitting Chris. on the front porch, drinking beer, chit-chatting, catching up, and Chris Duncan has to go into San Francisco for some art thing. So Chris Pugh and I continue to sit on the porch and drink beer. Uh, after a while, I got to take a leak. So I go into Chris Duncan's front yard and it's this big jungly front yard with all kinds of plants and fauna and flowers and stuff. And I'm standing in this little clearing in amongst all of these plants and I'm looking around and people are like walking their dogs and mowing their lawns and stuff. And I can see everybody, but they can't see me. I got the perfect little hiding pee spot. Uh, But what I didn't realize is that I had emptied the entire contents of my bladder on a banana leaf, which then funneled it back onto my (laughs) pants. And for some reason, I didn't feel it. So I walk out and there was piss from my knee to my fucking shoe. <laughs> I was like, "Oh, god damn it!" She she cursed me, and then I was in Portland the following weekend, and I did the exact fucking thing. So, oh. um, yeah, always pack two pairs of pants <laughs> in case you pee all over yourself. <laughs> That's the moral of that story. Oh man, yeah. she lo- she loved she loved hearing that. She was like, "Well, I guess." This means I'm going to be right forever. Forever. No matter what, even when I'm wrong, I'm going to be right because of this one instance. 
Yeah, my, my my wife is similar. She knows. She knows what needs to happen. And we have great vacation. When she plans a vacation, we have a great vacation. I mean, I will say that um, they have been great vacations. I always feel a little choked by too firm a plan. Mm-hmm. I, I always feel like uh, it's great. Great things happen. But I'm also like, but. But what if there's a waterfall over there or what if we have to jump in the swimming hole or what if, you know, yeah, what if there's bikes to ride or I don't know. I just feel I mean, I have no complaints about any and her plans are always, you know, exquisite. I I think probably what I bring is that when the plan doesn't go to plan, I'm pretty good at freestyling something fun. Or freestyling survival. Well, that, tr- that too. You, you ever seen that movie, The Yes Man? I think it's a Jim Carrey movie. It's not very good. But it's basically this guy is compelled to say yes to everything that presents itself. And how... The movie's not good, but the concept of it, I think, is really interesting. And mm-hmm. I've tried to do that over the last couple of years. Like, if something comes along, be like, I don't know, sort of outside of my comfort zone, but why the fuck not? And the newest thing that has presented itself is my friend Schutze is a fishing boat captain in Cordova, Alaska. And he has asked me, I was going to get, he's coming down for uh, Joe Hamilton and Kirsten's wedding party this month. And I thought he was taking his boat from Cordova to Bellingham and then uh, Bellingham to Seattle to put it to get it worked on or something. But apparently he's coming down early and then going to go up and get his boat and then bring it back to Bellingham. And he said he's going to take two weeks. It's as and it's like you're not in open water. I've done the ferry to Ketchikan, Alaska, but you're real fucking close to open water. Like it's big waters. And um, he asked me if I wanted to come. He said it's going to be a two week trip. It's like just living on the boat and. I was like, why two weeks? It definitely doesn't take that long. He's like, I don't know. There's probably some hot springs or something along the way. So I think it might be time for me to buy my Gilligan costume <laughs> and live in, live in a red rugby shirt and a little hat and <laughs> some, some blue pants for two weeks. Ah, oh, little Steve on a tramp steamer out of Alaska. <laughs> oh, for sure. Shoots, he's going to pull into Bellingham and I'm not going to be on the boat. And he'll be like, I don't know, maybe fell overboard or something. Right. He's, right. Not, he's not one you want to cross. He's figuring out how to make a radio out of coconuts. I don't know what he's up to. <laughs> so he presented that to me yesterday. I'm going to talk to him about it in a couple of weeks. But I was like, yeah, why the fuck not? Like, that sounds like a cool adventure. I don't have yeah. anywhere to be. I have nothing, no one to rely, no one relying on me. I'm just going to fucking disappear. Maybe so. Well, well, this is sort of the thing, because I feel the same way. Like, my my nephew is getting married in New Zealand. He's like, "Uh, you're going to come for the wedding? I was like, fuck yeah, I'm coming for the wedding. Uh, But it's going to be solo because the kids are in school and my wife has to work a regular person job. So I'm going to go to New Zealand for a couple weeks. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do some mountain biking. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then I started to think, like, I mean, that's the other side of the globe. What if I fall off my bike? True. I mean, it's not what if you'll be, you'll, you'll be fine. The drummer from, um, Ooh boy, fuck. Uh, it'll come to me, but this drummer in this band from Tennessee, I think they're this like performance sort of surf art, rock crash worship meets Dick Dale band. Team Daikaju. Daikaju. Yeah, the kaiju. Da, okay, the kaiju. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the drummer, they like pick all the band members up and they carry him around. He fell off his riser, or he fell off his drum kit and landed on his head in fucking Croatia, and got really fucked up, like really fucked up. I just saw him a couple of weeks ago, and I think he's doing okay now. But you like, you don't want to get like a severe injury. Yeah, you you'd be fine in New New Zealand. I'm sure that the locals would invite you into their family and then you'd live there for the rest of your life. Yeah. I mean, I think this is just kind of my point. Like I am so excited by the adventure. Uh, I'm psyched to be on my own and be able to just like pick and choose what I do at the same time. um, The sheer volume of choices is overwhelming and a little stressful. And if I'm not in the right frame of mind, it, it, it could be, it could be a real, uh, 
could be a real thing. Yeah. Um, well, you have to uh, you have to look up. We do have one friend there, Zane. Oh yeah, Zane Jenkinson. Yeah. 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 You have Zane, to look him up while you're there. Yeah. I don't know where in New Zealand he lives. Also, you can't like really bring in a whole family to New Zealand for a wedding. Destination weddings are a motherfucker, by the way. And right. You're you're putting a lot, you're making a lot of assumptions of your friends and family's economic realities. But you're, if your whole if your entire family went, it would be uh, three, six, nine, twelve thousand dollars. And you know, for plus. starters, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a That's twenty thousand dollar trip, probably at the end of the day. I mean, um, I live in the I work in the goddamn bike industry. Yeah, three thousand dollars is the annual salary when you work in the bicycle industry. <laughs> So let's get right. uh, question one. Do you prefer to travel by yourself or with someone else? Why? Yes and no. And for all of the reasons we just covered. Yeah. Uh, in our minds, a solo adventure is always super exciting, but the reality is much more challenging. In some ways, it's like looking at all the cookies in the cookie aisle. We love cookies, but the sheer volume of choices is overwhelming and sometimes stressful. Do you do better when you plan everything out and stick to a schedule or is it better to have no plan and just let the day and the people you come across take you wherever they will? Um, kind of covered that too, I guess I'd say yeah. yes and no also. And then yeah, today was one of those great episodes where we covered the questions without reading them until we read them. Yeah. Well, yeah, we're pretty good. We're getting better at that. So uh, good so at our jobs. Question three, and also, I mean, just fuck, tra just traveling is, uh, traveling's a total gas. I would love to have, like, an adventure buddy, and I, I do, like, one of my regrets about my relationship was that I wasn't more proactive about, like, I, I always really wanted to travel to, um, I always wanted to travel to Germany, where her parents were from, and, like, she spent a lot of time as a, as a kid, and um, had all these amazing memories and she spoke German and like, I'm fascinated with Germany and the history and the art. And I, I, you know, like, why didn't we do that? Why didn't I, why was I resting on my laurels and not making that adventure happen? That's, you know, we had an episode about regrets. That's for sure. One of mine. Well, I was talking uh, with my friend Fez about it this morning. He was like, we're at an age now where we're aware that the clock is ticking. So there's an urgency to what we do. Whereas before it was kind of like, oh, I'm going to go to Germany. Of course we are, but it'll happen later. Like, I don't need to push on it. Yeah. And then yeah. she reached forward and pressed the ejector button. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess I'll go to Germany by myself. I don't know. I do fucking everything by myself now. Kind of sucks, but... What are you gonna do? Uh, so, question three: Would you rather eat your lunch in a hot porta potty, a la the one, any one of the ones at the main show, yeah, or sleep overnight in an airport departure departure gate? Uh, definitely sleep in a departure gate. It would really? be fitful. It would be fitful and noisy, and probably wouldn't sleep very much, but. At least there'd be people watching and fuck porta potties. They're <laughs> disgusting. They're disgusting. The thing I, I so I was in the airport um, and I used to just I don't I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm in my head a lot. But the point I'm trying to get to is that I don't understand what people think when they're traveling. It's like it's like, oh, I'm going to go to the most uncomfortable place in the world. I guess I'll put my jammies on and head to the airport. <laughs> yeah, there's just a lot of people in like tie dye fleece pajamas carrying pillows waddling around the airport. Like what? Why did you come outside? Did 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 you forget you had the flight and someone like woke you up in the middle of the night and you had to rush? Like, why are you? It's, what are people wearing? I think it's a matter of being like trying to be as comfortable as possible in this situation that is generally kind of uncomfortable. Like when I fly, I'm ready for action. Like, right. I, I got sensible shoes on. I have fire retardant clothing on. Like, I, right. I, I'm ready to fucking save lives and you know be a hero jump over things and climb up things and run on things i see people right. in like flip-flops and breakaway 
Adidas pants. I'm like, oh, motherfucker, you're, you're going to be the first to die. Right. Like, you can't sit in the emergency exit row. You're Fuck fucked. No. no way. You look at me. I got some fucking red wing boots on. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm ready to stamp out fires. I got a hatchet on my belt. No. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, the other thing is that airports are um, sort of a airport design is sort of aggressively non-accommodating for people yes. being there for anything beyond their their given time. Like, yeah, I think I've been to one airport where I recognized there were not hand rests or armrests between every fucking seat. So worst case is you could sack out on one of those. But otherwise, like you're you're sit you're sleeping, sitting up or laying on the floor. Yeah, I spent the night at LAX one time. It was real unpleasant. Why? I mean, if you know that you're going to be there, were you like on standby or something? If you know you're going to be there for hours, why wouldn't you just go like get a room somewhere? What happened was I was in Orange County. I had booked a flight on American Airlines from Orange County, John Wayne, John Wayne International. John Wayne? Is that? Yeah, it's John Wayne. That's the one. Uh, to Boston. And it was like, oh, you're, there's a 20-minute flight up to LAX, and then um, Red Eye uh, to Boston. And so this 20-minute flight, it's an hour drive, probably. So there's a 20 minute flight at the beginning and it's on American Eagle. So they've got American Airlines and they've got American Eagle. So I I show up for the American Eagle flight and it's delayed and it's delayed and delayed and delayed. It ended up being delayed by two and a half hours. So by the time I get to they get me up to LAX, my red eye is canceled. Uh, And then I'm like, what are you going to do? How are you going to fix this for me? Like, I'm late because your flight was late. They're like, oh, this is American, not American Eagle. I was like, fuck you. I booked it on your on your website. You don't get to say, oh, that's not us just because you put Eagle on the end of it. Um, yeah. So then they then they were like, oh, maybe this flight, maybe that flight, maybe the other flight. So that's why I ended up uh, at LAX until like six in the morning. I got there like 1030 at night. Isn't American Airlines historically like, are they even in business anymore? I believe they are. Yeah. They're all pretty terrible right now. I let, I don't mind. God, I used to love Virgin. I, th- I always felt like everybody on Virgin flights looked even more attractive than anyone else on any other flight. I don't mind Southwest, but then Virgin got bought by Alaska and it kind of like downgraded a tiny bit. But they have that like club lighting and it smells good and seems like all of the staff are super happy. I, I feel like flying now is like spinning the wheel on Wheel of Fortune. And sometimes you're like, oh, I got a, a little uh, prize. And then sometimes you're just fucked. I guess I've been really lucky, but I also don't pay fucking any attention to anything that goes on when I'm on a flight. Like I put headphones in and I draw. And yeah, I, I, just, I eat the I just snacks books. that are provided to me and I have drink, I have a drink and I stay hydrated and I don't make eye contact and I don't interact with anybody. And people always like oftentimes people will ask me about the things that I'm drawing and I yeah. will answer sort of monosyllabically. One girl, the, one of the last flights I sat next, uh, sat next is really attractive woman and she I drew her hand and her, you know, like I do like point of view drawings in my sketchbook and I drew her leg and her hand and she looked over and she said, thank you for not making my leg fat. (laughs) That's weird. It was my pleasure. Yeah. Uh, So do we cover everything? I mean, here's the argument for the hot porta potty. You can eat your lunch in like eight minutes in the porta potty and then you would just have lost you would have a real unpleasant eight minutes Mm -hmm. instead of like sleeping overnight (sighs) a little bit you still taking the departure lounge i'm a little bit of a poo phobe and i mean i can eat a burrito like let's say it's a burrito let's say it's a burrito one of those little plaid basket cardboard basket things yeah 
and you just you turn your back to the shitter and just like yep, yep. stare out the vent. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, right. You only breathe <laughs> the vent air. You're just you're looking at people walking around. You're like, oh man, sweet freedom. You're yeah. only six bites away. Uh, it's over fast. Yeah, and it would probably would take you a couple of days to recover because you wouldn't be sleeping, and there'd be all the noise and all the yeah, the jabronis. airport. That's a pretty rough one. Okay, same question, but instead of a burrito, it's a plate of spaghetti. <laughs> um, man, that's a that's a tricky one. I don't know. To, you know, my my mood right now is I'd say I'd just sleep in the airport, but ask me tomorrow, and I'd probably eat in the shitter. It's a it's a real toss up. But today right. I'm gonna say sleep in the airport. Today or tomorrow I'll say eat in the shitter. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take lunch in the porta potty. Disgusting. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. <laughs> hey. <laughs> this has been revolting, not just for you, but for us too. To those who listen week after week, we can only say thank you. We're not sure what's wrong with you, but it must be wrong with us too. So on behalf of the revolting podcast and cycling independent, I'm Steve. Bye-bye.